Travels with Charlie is paid for by Jolly Convenience Stores, Mill Travel American Express, and Casella Waste. The views and opinions expressed in Travels with Charlie do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of the Radio Vermont Group. We welcome listener feedback. Email your comments to WDEV at RadioVermont.com. Well, it's all about all the folks you meet. Sitting in a diner or out in the street. Catch up with the news. Get your point of view. I want to hear what unravels. I'll see you in my travels. Well, welcome back and welcome to another episode of Travels with Charlie, your host, Charlie Papillo. Uh, before we get started here, first, as many, many of you have probably heard, uh, last week, my radio partner and good friend Ernie Farrar passed away, uh, short battle with, uh, sickness and, uh, he did go quickly. We will, uh, certainly have some time to talk about that at the end of the program today. Quick uh, shout out to all of our sponsors. They make it possible to do what I love doing and certainly getting all these uh, uh, interesting guests out to you. Our sponsors, Jolly Convenience Stores, home of the Daily Smile, hot coffee, sandwiches, snacks, ice cold Coca-Cola products. Of course, Casella Waste Systems, reliable service, competitive pricing, dumpster rental for big clean outs if you're doing any of that. And if you're doing some traveling, Milne Travel American Express. They've been doing it since 1975. Their travel specialists search the lowest airfares via all the databases out there exclusive to the travel industry. It is vacation time, so get out there and do some traveling. It's safe to do now. You can do it. Well, today's show, we're going to talk with members of Braver Angels. This is an interesting organization. They're trying to bridge the political divide in our country. I'm just give you a little, little bit of a pause there because you're probably going, good luck to them. Well, uh, you know, and good luck to them that, uh, that they are working on that and certainly look forward to speaking with them in just a moment. But my first guest is a throwback to a Travels with Charlie video series. Now, many of you know that Travels with Charlie started uh, a video series a couple of years ago and our seventh episode we shot that with uh, Secretary of Ag here in Vermont, Anson Tebbets, and Vermont dairy farm owner, Jen Lambert. And Jen joins me in studio today. Organic dairy farming. Good morning to you, Jen. Good morning. Or good afternoon, rather. Yeah. And now, I don't know if, you know, <laughs> this is funny because I, I walk into the studios here at WDEV, and there's a, I'm in the dump studio, you know, the legendary dump studio here at WDEV. I don't know what they use. What do you use this for, Corm? Is this one that's like a, uh, you know, <laughs> breaking news, breaking news. Actually, we use that bell during the trading post when someone gives something away free. Oh. Any free item, the bell rings. All right. And, and of course, Jen, who is an, uh, an organic dairy farmer, and uh, really, uh, you know, and I mentioned this before when we did the video with you, Jen, you don't fit the mold. You know, you're thinking of, it's this old scraggly guy that owns a farm. Uh, and Jen is not that person. And she's looking at this, and she goes, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Why, it's a cowbell. But you yeah. don't use these anymore. No, we don't use those anymore. <laughs> uh, well, well, if you would please explain, and I want to mention uh, again, uh, you know, you can go to YouTube and you can go to Facebook. It's episode number seven that we shot with Jen, and you can go back and you can look at that organic dairy farm. And you're located in Washington, in, Vermont. In Washington, Vermont. 
And interestingly enough, what you do is somewhat different than the average uh, or, you know, the, the old style dairy farm. You are a robotic dairy farm. Yep. We installed the robots in 2014. So we've been going at it for a while now. And you really started up farming, right? I mean, that was the, what you do is was your love. You you discovered that at, a, at an early age. Yep, I started milking cows when I was fourteen, and I just I really loved cows, and I really loved dairy farmers. They're such humble, kind people. I think that's what really pulled me in. And went to school at VTC, did the two plus two program, onto UVM, and. Long story short, met my husband and we started farming. Now we've talked with so many businesses uh, during the pandemic and of course the uh, you know post pandemic and it looks like things are opening up. Some businesses greatly affected by the pandemic and most of that was well either you know you don't have customers if you're a restaurant and now we've got uh, a lot of the restrictions have been lifted and customers are coming out but restaurant and other business owners are telling me that they don't have the help. But having a farm that didn't rely on mm. manual help, certainly that had to be a strength for you, was it not? Yeah, uh, not having to fill extra positions was great. We have a couple full-time employees um, that are so important to us. I'm so glad that they stuck with us through the pandemic. They had to help us run the farm help us take care of the cows, and then, of course, they had to help take care of our kids, too. <laughs> Not having school, no daycare. That wasn't so, in the contract, apparently, uh, when they yeah, signed Yeah, I think on. they yeah. were looking at me a few times, like, uh, what are all these kids doing, climbing up in tractors with us all day? But So did you see any, uh, you know, effect at all from COVID in your industry, you know, throughout the country and, and here in Vermont? Oh, yeah, throughout the country, a lot of people lost their markets or their markets um, had to put them on the quota or some kind of milk supply management. And um, most stories I've heard, you know, cut them back to about 85% of what they were normally making. So uh, we've been on a quota with Organic Valley for four years now. So it wasn't new to us to be under a milk supply management, but it was uh, really stressful for a lot of our friends. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I heard about, um, you know, during the, during the pandemic, and that was the cheese industry. And, you know, mm. you don't think about some of these things. In fact, I saw, uh, I read a story just the other day that gum sales, chewing gum sales are now up. And you think to yourself, what is, what's up with that? When you wear a mask, and I, rem- oh. you know, I was thought about this the other day. I have a mask on. Every time you you're trying to chew gum, wearing a mask, can't chew gum and no. wear a mask and walk at the same time. No. Poor guy, the mask moves up and down, comes off your face. So people weren't chewing gum. All of a sudden, no, not wearing a mask, chewing gum sales go up. Cheese. Well, when you think about it, if you have a party, if you're doing a wedding, you're doing any kind of a reception. Who's bringing in the cheese board? Mm-hmm. Cheese sales went way down. So that was uh, somewhat affected. And, of course, you know, the dairy industry, you can't make cheese without milk. Yeah. Although some people try to make products without milk, and they call it milk. I know, I'm sure that must get you a little upset. Uh, that gets me a little wild. Yeah. But <laughs> Coconut milk, almond milk, cashew milk, it's really not milk, is it, Jim? No, it's not milk. Stop calling it that. <laughs> it drives us crazy. We it, work hard for that milk. <laughs> is anything being done in the industry about that, about recognizing that don't call it milk, it's a drink. It's not milk. Uh, yeah, they've been trying to fight that for years, but nothing ever seems to actually happen. Every now and then you read an article about Oh, this is 
going to happen and you wait and wait and then you get to the store and nothing. Nothing's happening. <laughs> no, and at this point, I think the damage is just done. Yeah. It's been so long right. that at this point, I don't know if it will really help the industry. <laughs> Do you get discouraged at all? I know there are a lot of things. And by the way, if anybody would like to join us uh, here on Travels with Charlie and talk with Jen Lambert, a, a organic uh, dairy farmer, 244-1777 or toll free at 1-877-291-8255. Are you discouraged at all about uh, the industry and some of the things that you see? I know we've talked in the past. In fact, on the video, Travels with Charlie, we talked about some of the regulations that hamper uh, what you do, and I, I would hope that here it is almost two years later, we meet again, and you say, you know all that stuff we talked about? <laughs> they took care of it. No, the regulations are still there, and they increase every year. It's it's kind of like you're always trying to prove that you're not doing anything wrong. Um, it's so much paperwork, honestly, with the state. And, uh, and, and has, that, has, has that changed over the years? Like when you were 16 years old and, and, and looking into this, were there not as many regulations? Was it not so much, you know, doing all the paperwork? In fact, you told me before we even went on the air that you, 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 you're basically it's a, it's an office job mm-hmm. for you at this point. Oh yeah, it's I do a lot of um, just paperwork. Like I said, I'm just trapped in my office at least one day a week, just trying to keep up with keeping everybody happy, making sure that we're toeing the line. And was it not that way 20 years ago? I don't think so. Yeah. I think people trusted farmers more maybe then. I'm not sure. Of course, you know, half percent of the population honestly feeds the rest. So it is a <laughs> it's a big gap there. And so yeah. our half percent has to prove that, you know, hey, we're we're doing a good job. We're taking care of the environment. We're taking care of the animals, you know. We're a dairy state, mm-hmm. or I'd like to think we are. I know I don't have the numbers in front of me, but... Uh, we're supposed to be, but we only have about 581 dairy farms left as of June. Out of a high of how many at, at um, one point? And I'm glad somebody, by the way, uh, did their homework here because you rely on me <laughs> I to only went back a few years because yeah. I was curious about yeah. uh, COVID. Um, in 2019, we had 677, but I, I do know it's been about 50 farms a year that we've been losing for quite a while yeah. now. So it's not a growing industry. It, it's an in- industry mm-hmm. that continues to shrink. And when you think of Vermont, so often, uh, you know, people from out of the state, they think they think of dairy, they mm-hmm. think of maple syrup, you know, Ben and Jerry's yeah. dairy and all of that. And here we are. It's a shrinking industry. It's a shrinking industry. Uh, the herds are getting, as we lose farms, the average herd size does grow Um you know, most farms, as one goes out, the other ones are absorbing land and, you know, building their... I mean, we have to... A lot of these farms have to get bigger to survive. It's right. economy to scale. Um, you don't see it changing then, do you? You don't see it all of a sudden it's going to come back and dairy farming is going to be huge in Vermont. Um, no, there'd have to be some major changes. I w- see a lot... The industry is... I see a lot of in, huge investments in infrastructure that need to happen on most farms. The yeah. buildings are very old. You know, when you might you might see a little jump in price here and there, and people will all go out and get new rakes or something, but you don't see people really and reinvesting in their farms as far as you know long term assets. So you don't see you know our our, our uh, legis you know legislation uh, our legislators um, congressional help. They're are they doing their job or they're not doing their job. 
I don't know. It- <laughs> you can say it. You know, you don't. This is, you know, you're with Charlie Papillo here, and we don't need to pull punches. <laughs> Under protection. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In fact, I remember when we did the video. Um, talking with the Ag Secretary, Yancey mm-hmm. Tebbets, and he brought up a point, and, you know, it just, it's still, when I think of it, it just it doesn't make sense. He said, uh, I've never seen a product where you decide on the price after it was sold. Yeah. Now, somebody might be driving in their car right now going, how can that be? And I'll ask you that question. How can that be? Two years ago, we asked that question, and it's still that way. You're a dairy farmer. You have a product. You sell it, and then you find out afterwards what you're getting for it. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any sense at all. I know. I've I've never wrapped my head around dairy pricing. I think there's only about two people in the country that really understand. <laughs> but we've, as farmers, I think we've lost the direct connection to consumers, you know, to say, hey, this is what I want because, you know, we have to belong to a co-op and it's got to get on a truck and go get – Packaged. Yeah. There's just so many steps in between. Um, we're just kind of the last man standing. You, you, how many people do you think that just really do not get that? Uh, that you know they go to the supermarket mm-hmm. and they buy their milk, but they really don't put two and two together where that milk came from. No, and I, maybe you can give a little bit of a time uh, frame and and you know from from the from the cow to the supermarket. How many hands are on it? How, you know, how many stops? What happens to all of that? There's a lot of work involved in that. There's a lot of work involved in that. It you know, comes out of the cow, goes in the tank, milk truck driver comes and picks it up. Uh, it's going to the plant, getting unloaded, gets homogenized, pasteurized, and then bottled, goes on another truck, <laughs> goes to the store, you know. There's a lot of people in between that are all expecting to make a profit and we get what's left. <laughs> Yeah, which and you're doing all the work. I th- I, it feels like it. Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> it's a and every day there's you got to go to work. <laughs> you you obviously pandemic or no pandemic or right. sick or pregnant or <laughs> anything. <laughs> and you are getting your butt up and going. <laughs> you obviously love what you do. I do. I love. Yeah. I love cows. Um, I love being outside. I love the farm. You and, wouldn't trade this for anything else. Have you ever thought about doing something else? Every now and then we get real discouraged. Um, we have a split farm operation. Our, uh, my husband, he does custom cropping. Um, he ro- mows the roadsides. He does excavating. So you have to diversify. It's, it's tough to yeah. make a living just doing yeah, the dairy farm, Yeah, we try farm, right? not to rely just on the cows. And it really helps um, having extra streams of income coming in. And... You know, every now and then it does get really, you know, frustrating and you do kind of think, okay, well, what if we didn't do this and we did this instead? How many farmers do that? You know, every time we hear about the the number of dairy farms dwindling Mm -hmm. down, what happens to that property? Do they – is it they're building condos on there or are they – uh, you know, getting ready to start growing crops of marijuana, which that's something to consider at some point here. We're going to be well. Able the hemp didn't it. seem to work out very well. I know a lot of farmers, the hemp isn't working out. No, I know a lot of farmers that are still waiting to get paid on the hemp they grew years ago. Why is that? I don't know. I I never got involved in hemp, and um, they signed contracts, and I don't know. I don't know if they'll ever be paid. It's, yeah. They made huge investments into the hemp, and 
a lot of it just ended up hanging in the barn or it got taken away and they never got paid. Yeah. And I don't know why no one's really ever followed up on what's going on there. One of the things that we talked about in the in the video travels with Charlie, of course, was uh, you know the size of Vermont and mm-hmm. your competition. These large states that have you know just larger areas and yeah. you know whether they're growing hemp or whether they're they're doing dairy farm. It's uh, it's a uh, you know it's a, it's not fair competition in some ways no it's not fair competition um like it's economy to scale they can make a lot of milk and they can sell it cheaper um but i think if dairy farmers can hang in there if we can stop losing farms every year i think long term vermont is set up to succeed because if people are paying attention there's huge droughts going on out west right you know desert farming is all of a sudden is not working out so well with all that everyone fighting for water and it's not raining. Um, but we, we have water, you know, we're set up like, okay, like if we can just hang in there, right? you know, maybe we can, maybe it could be a strong dairy state again or some kind of farming state. Jen Lambert is my guest. She is the owner of a dairy farm in Washington here in Vermont. And we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation right here on Travels with Charlie, WDEV. Whether you're traveling for a vacation, planning a business trip, or have a global company looking for a strong Vermont-based company to align with for business and meeting management, Milne Travel is a trusted local partner, and they've been one since 1975. Milne Travel is one of the top travel companies based in New England. Featuring educational tours, vacation travel, or corporate solutions, let their travel specialists search the lowest airfares exclusive to the travel industry for you. Guaranteed. We're all getting ready to travel again. Save time and money on your next trip. Go to www.millentravel.com. That's Rod Stewart and faces. You can't, you can't fool me. And Corm gives me the the high sign, like okay. Uh, although he did uh, last time we did the show here, he had one, and I should have known it, it was an Eric Clapton tune. It's just one of those obscure tunes. Did not get it. Thanks for staying with us here on Travels with Charlie WDEV. My guest is Jen Lambert. She owns a dairy farm. It's not just a dairy farm. It's an organic dairy farm, and it is a robotic dairy farm. You can uh, see some of the video that we took uh, uh, about um, almost two years ago, I think, when we traveled down Travels with Charlie doing our video series. You can see that on YouTube and Facebook, and I went in there and... and, and <laughs> you tried to milk a cow. That <laughs> <laughs> was pretty funny. <laughs> in fact, Jen came in as I was I had a cup of coffee in my hand, and I'm, I'm literally under the cow. Lucky the cow didn't hit me. Yeah, she was sweetie. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to get a little bit of cream for my coffee. Did not work, and you taught me. You showed me how to do it, but you have robotics, and this is amazing. I watched the cows mm, coming into it. the stalls where they get milk, yeah. and nobody's leading them. They just no. show up. It's all voluntary. How do you get them to do it? It's like magic. How do you get them to do that? Well, there's grain in there. Oh, so that'll do it, when yeah. there's a cookie at the end of the <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Throw a little chocolate chip, I might go in there. You so know? The, it takes about a, a week to train them, I'd say. Sometimes it only takes a couple days, and then other times it takes a couple weeks. But I'd say a week on average to train them. We just kind of have shove them in there, and they 
are scared at first, then they see the grain, and, yeah. and then their eyes light up, and, oh, okay, now I understand. And for someone that has never seen this, it is totally hands-off. Mm. It, yeah. They go in there. It's like going in and getting the car washed. They go in. They get washed. Yep, they walk up into a stall, yeah. and then the gate closes behind them, and then there's grain that comes down, and they're all grained, depending on how much milk they give. So we're not over-graining or under-graining. Yeah. And the robotic arm comes under and washes them up and milks them. Amazing. Yeah. What, what is the uh, the premium on organic milk versus just, you know, regular milk? Uh, the, we get paid around 34 bucks uh, over throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and what do you see it as a? I, I didn't really you know mean so much price, but mm-hmm. you know just the premium. And I know I understand this because I you know people in my family they go you know buy the organic. Um, I think the conventional price is somewhere around eighteen dollars a hundredweight right now, eighteen or nineteen. So, but, it, it's, but it's, a, it's per hundredweight, and so. it's a better product. I mean, some people want the organic. You you don't just say call it organic. There are certain things you have to do. Oh, to do there's that, right? so many rules. Yeah. Uh, we have to. So there's NOFA, and they're the ones that kind of make sure that we're following the rules. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of paperwork, and uh, the cows have to go out and graze. That's one of the big yep. rules. Um, no antibiotics, no, no hormones. Um, and people do find that important, too. That's, that's you know, they they don't want to be putting things in their body. We have a call coming in uh, for our guest, Jen Lambert, 244-1777. If you'd like to join us, or one 291 And Jackie's on the line. Good afternoon, Jackie. Welcome to Travels with Charlie. Hello. Stop laughing, Jen. Hi. How are you? Hi, Jackie. <laughs> Hey, I just wanted to go back to something that Jen was talking about because I don't think people get the importance of this. You know, we talk about automation and IBM and and AT&T and and Wi-Fi, but Jen was just focusing on stuff that's really, really important to dairy farmers today, and that is the technology that they use. And you sounded, Charlie, you sounded so exciting about figuring out how those robotics were working. (laughs) Every year at the farm show, we usually have a, a company that brings in a robotic milker and people are fascinated by that but but to to the point of of jen not not just being an organic dairy farmer but there are a lot of robotics uh milking equipment in vermont but there's other technologies that these folks use that are so important and when people talk about getting broadband and cell phone service in i know jen where you live and where i live in cabot it's pretty spotty but it's a big Big deal for farmers who are starting to go with uh, GPS farming equipment. And so there's there's so many things that people don't understand. When they talk about farms, we're not the bucolic little guys on the hill anymore. These guys are high tech. And I really thank Jen for, for bringing that up because it doesn't matter how you make the milk or uh, how big your farm is, but these technologies are really important, bringing these guys into the 21st century and really making them as efficient as they possibly can, which helps with their cost of production. So I'll get off my soapbox, and if you're here, <laughs> you'd like to respond, I'll let you. But I just wanted to make a point about the technology, and Jen did a good job about that. Thanks. Thanks, Jackie. Yeah, thanks, Jackie. Yeah, I mean, we we always try to adopt technology um, earlier versus later. A lot of our equipment is just, to me, it's it's huge and it's amazing. And, you know, like we can cover 30 feet in a swath of, you know, to mow. We have mm. triple mower that's covering 30 feet across. Um, same with our merger. Um, everything is just because, you know, we are limited on help. 
And, you know, even if we had the help, like it makes sense, you know, if to do the work with one tractor versus three, you know, less diesel fuel, less compaction, you know, you, you don't want to be on that soil. You know, you want to be out there as least is what you can. Sure. You know, Jen, if if there's anything that the, uh, our congressional delegation could do for you, any one regulation, anything, I know we've, we talked about the manure pits. Mm. That's something that probably the manure spreading ban comes to mind. Um, with climate change, the, the winter comes so erratically, you know, sometimes we have really late winters or really early springs. Um, and I don't know if people remember, but the manure spreading ban is, you know, we, we have to wait to start spreading on, um, hopefully I don't get this wrong, Jackie. <laughs> I think it's uh, April 1st or April 15th and then um, is when we can start and then we have to stop in December. And I think as long as there's not snow on the ground, yeah. you know, why can't we... Why, why does there have to be a double? Again, it's another it's another one of those common sense yeah. things. Are you listening? Yeah. Why do we have to have a double standard? What? Congressional delegation. We also delegation. can't spread on the snow. So give, give one or the break. other. <laughs> Jen, nice to see you again. You look great. Thank you for being with us today on Travels with Charlie. And uh, we will continue our program. CBS Got news, news coming up. Well, that's, uh, once again, welcome back. Travels with Charlie. Charlie Papillo, your host here on WDEV. Mitch Ryder, Detroit Wheels, maybe? Uh, no, no. Corm, you got me on that one. Who is that? We play a, a, who is it? Bob Seeger. Bob Seeger. Okay. But I, I think he was doing a Mitch Ryder tune, maybe. I don't know. Well, it doesn't matter. Corm uh, uh, does a great job with, uh, with the bumper music here, my director here at, uh, at the studios, and uh, always trying to fool me with, uh, with the bumper music. And uh, that's t- two now that he's, he's done that. Coming up, uh, Shannon Ratner and Dan Pipes joining me of Braver Angels, Franklin County. Oh, Dan was not able to be with us, but we do have Shannon Ratner. Uh, it's a, an all-volunteer group of citizens with divergent political beliefs who gather quarterly to discuss topics in a respectful and reflective manner. Shanna, thank you for joining me here on Travels with Charlie. Charlie, you're most welcome, and it's Shauna, like Shauna-na. Oh, I should have known Shauna-na. All right. So uh, I, I really appreciate you joining me here. Shauna, can, can you tell me, how did uh, this group get together? It's, uh, you know, when I think about the idea of you know, bringing you know, d- divergent uh, political beliefs together, that's somewhat when we started uh, the series Travels with Charlie, the video series. That was something that we tried to do, was you know, have two different sides uh, you know, in front of a camera and we'd talk and we, we typically found out at the end of the program that, well, you know, we don't agree on everything, but we were able to get along. Yeah, absolutely. Able to get along and able often to find more in common than you might imagine. So, so, so this started actually right after the 2016 election when, as we all know, many people were up in arms and I was up in arms not only from the result of the election, but also from the reactions that I was hearing among everyone that I knew. Um, I tend to lean blue. My neighbor and buddy Dan, who is my co-leader of this alliance, tends to lean red. Mm -hmm. And um, everyone that I was talking to was essentially saying things like, you know, I hate those people. 
and I would not sit in the same room with those people, um, etc. Right? Yeah. And I was pretty horrified because everything in my life experience suggests to me that that's a way to disaster. Yep. And that if people begin to demonize one another, they become ever less able to solve problems together. Now, this organization, uh, Braver Angels, it's Braver Angels Franklin County, but it's also a national organization, correct? Who started it? It is a national organization. So um, I had the idea of bringing folks together before I knew it existed. And when I found out that it existed, I called them and said, hey, you know, what can you tell me about how to do this? And they said, well, we're just getting started. We've only had one session in Ohio. We are not writing a guidebook at this point, but we are doing a national bus tour. So they said, can we put St. Albans, Vermont on the national bus tour? And I said, sure. (laughs) Having, at that point, no organization, no real idea what we would do, but it seemed like a good idea. Now, how so, did you how did you meet up with uh, with with Dan Pipes, who I believe Dan is joining us on the phone line now? Let's let's bring him right in. Dan Pipes uh, joining us here on Travels with Charlie, along with uh, Shauna Ratner of Braver Angels, Franklin County. Dan, thank you for joining us here on Travels with Charlie. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. So, Dan, uh, you know, Shauna described you as uh, you lean a little more to the right. She leans a little more to the left. How did the two of you get together? Well, we're uh, we're neighbors. So we've we've known each other. Uh, we have children roughly the same age. Our our children, you know, it's a very rural community, but uh, we you know we help each other out when we can and. Um, Shauna, in 2017, long story short, just said, hey, Dan, we're getting, the, the, the country is getting very polarized, even down in our, our local communities. Would you be interested in maybe coming to this group? And I said, sure. And that's away we went. And, and what did you find, Dan, when you went to that group that you've got you know, the varying uh, uh, ideas in a, in a single room, but you all kind of got along together, correct? and this is very important, and Shauna is great at setting the, the ground rules and basically putting a few guardrails on, um, understanding that no one is there to change anyone else's mind. It's not a debate, although we certainly can do those, and they're, and they're very you know entertaining and, yeah. and informative, uh, but it's there to, to listen, to actively listen, to ask real questions from a place of curiosity and to respect each other. You can disagree all day long, as Shauna and I do, uh, and still respect each other and, and find commonality as human beings. It's far more important, in my opinion, that we're Americans than whether we lean conservative or liberal or progressive or whatever label you want to apply. Um, it, it's my belief that, that your political bent is really one of the least interesting things about you as a human being. Hmm. Uh, uh, any uh, questions or comments for our guest today? Uh, Shauna Ratner and Dan Pipes of Braver Angels Franklin County, 244-1777 or toll-free at 1-877-291-8255. Let me ask both of you, do you see more device- divisiveness in our country now than ever before? And I would go... I don't know, maybe way back to the Civil War era. There certainly was some divisiveness going on there. 
Well, I'll take your word for it. I'm not quite that old. Well, I'm not either, but uh, <laughs> thank you. That was an easy shot. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, Shauna, go, ahead, go ahead, Shauna. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, as my son, who's a political scientist and a historian, reminds me on a regular basis, this country has been bitterly, bitterly divided at many times in its history. And as Dan said, since since neither of us were alive, you know, during the Civil War, during the McCarthy period, um, you know, it's difficult to compare. I would say uh, that it may be, we may not be more divided than ever before, but we certainly are, you know, in not, not in a really great place in terms of, again, what it takes to solve our problems. And, I mean, that's my interest. My interest is, you know, we have a myriad of issues that, that are facing us as a country, um, you know, from, from needing to have a stronger public health system to needing to improve our educational system to, you know, an economy that needs to be more equitable and needs to be, uh, more inclusive so more people can make a constructive contribution and uh, be in a position to make, to earn a, earn a reasonable living. Um, you know, and we're not going to be able to solve these problems if we're busy pointing a finger at one another. And I think, you know, the, the federal, what's going on with the federal government, the kind of dysfunction we continue to see there is, you know, is a sign of the fact that we're not doing nearly enough to solve the very real problems, climate change and the other things that we're collectively facing. Let, let me give Dan a chance to, to jump in here because, you know, you, you brought up some topics, certainly that, uh, you know, the more conservative side, when you talk about those things uh, like, uh, the uh, uh, you know climate change, uh, uh, minimum wage, uh, you know raising the minimum wage. Those are some things that uh, the conservatives tend to tend to you know pull back a little bit from. Dan, your thoughts on those uh, those spots, those well, issues? Well, certainly, we'll disagree on the on the as you get into the the, the longish policy concerns. Sean and I will will disagree, um, and I think that what the braver angels is remarkably good at is finding the, the common grounds that, that we have. For example, we do both believe that our educational system is, is fundamentally, if not broken irrevocably, it's seriously flawed. Now, how we, we think this should be fixed probably are, are very different solutions. Yeah. But we can agree that it's broken and, and we can move forward together from there. Uh, so I think that's Coming away with at least uh, at the, the okay, we we've reached common ground here, and we've agreed respectfully to disagree over there. I think that's what what is missing from a lot of conversations, whether it's around the Thanksgiving table or after church or wherever you may be. Uh, people are are so quick today to to either you you accept everything that I believe, or you are and you're labeled. Whatever it is, a racist, the misogynist, the transphobe, yeah. uh, you know, the, the latest slur of the day. And, and that's not valuable. That's not helpful. It's not. That's and Dan, I, I have to agree with you. I mean, I, I I know a number of people that well, well, whether you're on the social media or wherever it may be, that they find out that oh, you support this one or oh, you're that way, and all of a sudden it's like I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to defriend you. I don't want to be friends with you any longer. And uh, you know, I really admire you both for what you're doing. It's let's try to keep people together. We're always going to have differences. We need to work through our differences. And I'm glad that you brought up the issue of uh, Thanksgiving because that's one area that most people can agree with that you've got, you know, the whole family doesn't agree with, uh, you know, everyone's <laughs> politics. So perhaps 
Now, I know you have a workshop coming up, and I want to give you both an opportunity to talk about that, but it's just at the right time because it's it's before Thanksgiving. I think it's in September, and maybe this might be a good idea to do before that Thanksgiving meal. Yeah, absolutely. Can you tell me about this? Sean, I want to tell me about this uh, this workshop and, and what's involved and how people can find out more information if they want to go. Sure, Charlie. Thanks so much for that opportunity. So we are running a workshop called uh, Skills for Bridging the Political Divide, and it's a virtual workshop, so you can join from anywhere. It's on September 22nd. And the purpose of the workshop is to help you both learn and practice skills, four essential sets of skills for having civil conversations with people with whom you don't agree. And, you know, the first set of skills has to do with how to set the tone for a civil conversation. Second set has to do with listening. Third set has to do with how to speak so that you can be heard, so that, you're, so that you don't speak in such a way that makes someone want to just shut down and run away. The third and the fourth set is really what to do if the conversation is not going the way you would like and you, you need it to end, but you want it to end without blowing everything up. So um, those are four essential sets of skills that we'll be teaching and, and giving you space to practice. You can learn more about them uh, by emailing braverangelsfcf, as in Franklin, c as in county, at gmail.com, and we will send you information. The workshop does require pre-registration, and it does require about an hour, I would say, of prep before you get onto yeah. the workshop itself so that you're coming uh, you know, well-prepared and really ready to dive in. Shauna, do you, do you need to, or Dan, do you need to let people know if you lean to the right or you lean to the left? I mean, do you need to know that so you kind of divide people up? Or how do you, how do you, how do you put people into groups? Sure, it, it is part of, there, there is a, a registration form online that, that's filled out. And, you know, you can, you can either identify yourself as red or blue or, uh, in the, you know, you prefer not to, to select, but generally people fall in, into either side. Um, it's very rare that we'll get a, a neutral person. Yeah. Well, and, you know, there are, it seems that, uh, you know, growing up for me, and, and I'm sure for many of our listeners, it was either, you were either Republican or Democrat, and then it went to turn into progressives, and then there were libertarians, and then there's the independents. So there, there's, you know, many, many multifaceted groups out there. Sounds like a, a great organization that you've, you've got going on here in Vermont. Again, people can find out more information, Shauna, by going to the website. Give me that website where they can find out about this workshop you have coming up in September. This is not a website. This is an email address, but it's braverangelsfc, as in Franklin County, at gmail.com. You can also, and I would also invite you to go to the national website, which is braverangels.org, and check out the many offerings that they have there, and consider becoming a member. It'll cost you all of $12 a year. Uh, and you'll find a lot of opportunity there, including the opportunity to engage in one-on-one -on -one conversations with people all around the country who are different from you, either in their political views or in their race or in their age or in whether they live in a rural versus an urban area. So the national group is setting up these really interesting one-on-one -on -one conversations um, as well. Uh, plus, they offer workshops on different topics and debates and book clubs and all kinds of things that, that may be of interest to your listeners. Very cool. Um, well, you can find out more information, as Shauna mentioned. Uh, I want to thank them both for being guests today on Travels with Charlie. Shauna and uh, and Dan. Shauna, thank you so much for being with me. Shauna Ratner and Dan Pipes of Braver Angels, Franklin County. 
Thank you both for being on Travels with Charlie. Have a great day. Thank you, Charlie. You too. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, I've got to remember my former uh, partner in radio, Ernie Farrar, who just uh, passed away last week. And we'll have a, a little talk about Ernie, some of the times that we had on the radio. And, of course, open up the phone lines if you'd like to join us here on Travels with Charlie, WDEV. Too busy gardening on Saturdays to listen to In the Garden? Not to worry. You can listen anytime with the In the Garden podcast. Gardening information for Vermont gardeners with host Peter Burke, sponsored by Dandelion Acres Garden Center in Bethel, where you'll find flowering hanging baskets, annuals, perennials, trees, and shrubs with an extensive selection of vegetables, fruit trees, and berry bushes. Go to dandelionacres.com for hours and COVID caveats. And the In the Garden podcast is available on the WDEV website, wdevradio.com. Oh, another easy one. I'm, I'm, thank you for being easy on me for the final segment here of Travels with Charlie. Philadelphia Freedom with Elton John. Corm, my director here on uh, Travels with Charlie, and joining me in studio, my uh, producer of uh, Travels with Charlie, Brad Ferlin. Brad, thank you for stepping in and uh, joining me today. Hey, Charlie. Good to be here. And it's kind of interesting because uh, I wanted to do the last 10 minutes of this program and, and talk about my my friend and uh, and partner on, in radio for more than 20 years at WVMT. Ernie worked there for 52 plus years. It's sort of just unheard of in this industry. And Brad, you knew him not as well as I did, but certainly you worked with me and Ernie uh, setting up guests for us on the program. So you've been in numerous times. Uh, you know, each time you would come in, you either had a pie or some donuts in your hand, and you knew that that was the only way you could get into the studio, and Ernie would grab those donuts right away. I'd, I'd meet uh, Senator Mazza at his store as early as I could, and he'd have them hot in the kitchen and uh, box them up for me, and it was amazing. And I, I also remember, Charlie, being on your show one time as a guest, and I was maybe a little nervous and I was swiveling in my chair and Ernie was in the corner and my foot hit the trash can I near remember me it. and banged and Ernie like almost hit the ceiling. <laughs> he didn't have any idea what had happened that we were being gunshot or something. Well, well so I, I'm glad you brought that up. By the way, I would love to hear from you. Any any of our listeners uh, from the old morning show on WVMT, love to hear from you. 244-1777-1877-291-8255. You know, it's funny because I, I remember that vividly. And uh, I'll give you a little background in that, why Ernie jumped so much, because... And I only found this out in the latter years. And, of course, working in radio for 52-plus years, you're wearing headphones for three or four hours every day. And some um, some of us old disc jockeys have hearing issues. Coram, you seem to be shaking your head a little bit. You 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 tend to get some kind of uh, hearing aid. Are you there, Corm? Hello, yeah, Rangoon. I just, I just took my hearing aids out <laughs> to put the headphones on. The, the, every DJ who's been on radio for. 30 or 40 years needs these things. Well, Ernie was one of the Ernie would never wear a hearing aid. You know, Ernie was the typical, I'm not wearing, I don't need hearing aids. You know, Sherry would tell me about it. You, can, you, you know, the TV's so loud in the house that the neighbors can hear what's on. So 
I I went over to his side of the uh, studio one day, and I, I plugged my headset in to do something, and I, it nearly blew my eardrums out. And I'm going, no wonder he jumped so so far. He had those things cranked, but for him, it was the you know it was the normal level. It was the normal level. Uh, you know, Ernie had a work ethic, and I've talked about this so much that uh, is just unseen in any business. He he was there every day. He would come in whether he was sick or not. In fact, Ernie, or I, Ernie and myself, neither of us ever took a sick day as long as we worked together. And we did that because we respected one another. I wouldn't uh, leave him alone and he wouldn't leave me alone. But it's a, it's a work ethic that you just don't see today. We need more of that. And he was more than a radio announcer. I mean, Ernie, as many of you know, he was involved in the Golden Gloves. Before he did, you know, talk radio with me, he was doing music. He boasted about how he did the first country and western show in in uh, in the Burlington area, the first one in Vermont, I believe. And he had all the big names. I mean, he had a Rolodex. He would get these musicians on and talk with them, and he'd meet with them. He'd have his picture taken with them. He was a huge star up in Montreal at the time. Of course, there weren't as many radio stations, and he had a very popular program, and they all loved him. They all listened to him up there. Yeah, I remember uh, I w- was working at the St. Albans Messenger, and we were covering uh, the a Little League event. Uh, they had won a championship, and there was a barbecue at Ernie Farrar's house. And I went by to uh, take some pictures and give it some play. And Chris, he loaded up a plate of food for me and, you know, welcomed me in. And He gave you the plate of food? He, he actually did. Wow! <laughs> there was a lot of food, fortunately. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought, brought up the, the food issue because I'm going to touch on that in just a moment. First off, I'd like to to uh, to thank the, the hundreds of people that have reached out since uh, Ernie passed away last week uh, to myself and to others. Uh, my Facebook page, almost 200 uh, posts on one particular post that I put out. Um, Dana Casulo from ABC22 did an interview with me, and she did a fantastic job. They, I sent some pictures over, and I know I think Paul Goldman, our owner uh, of uh, WVMT, sent some pictures over. They had some great pictures on that that interview. She did a fantastic job. Vermont Public Radio did an interview interview with them. Uh, you know, remembering. Uh, uh, a real legend. I mean, as people talked about Ernie Farrar, and is often referred to as a legend, we always called him the Dean of Broadcasting. You know, working with somebody that, when I started working in radio, he already had 30 years on me, you know. And, and I'm, it was an honor to work with somebody that had that much experience. I learned a lot from him. But I also got... And I break in radio. I mean, I would not be doing what I'm doing today if it were not for Ernie Farrar. Uh, I, I was working as a musical disc jockey in the afternoons at WVMT. They changed format. They went to talk. I was out of a job. But Ernie said, oh, in his way, what are you getting rid of Charlie for? You know, doing because he hated national searches. And, you know, he would talk about this anytime if a, a police chief left and they they're, well, we're doing a national search. What are you doing a national search for? You have an assistant uh, police chief. Why don't you let him move up? And Ernie said, "Why don't you give Charlie a chance?" Ernie and I got together, very, got along very well, and and we saw that when I would step into the studio when we were doing music and we would kind of chit chat. And uh, he said, "You know, give him a chance." And they did. And twenty years later, 
here we are. So uh, I, I really do want to thank him. Uh, you know, Quorum, I'll let you jump in for a moment here because many of you may, I'm sure you know that we were, you know, competitors at one time, you know, working, uh, you know, opposite radio stations across, uh, across town and, and, you know, we would listen to you and you would listen to us and we, ah, what are they doing over there? You know, you know, the thing that I remember about, uh, Ernie better than anything was when you would bump into him in public. He was just a regular guy. Yeah. And, uh, he, he was always great. He, he, he wanted to know how things were going in your life and stuff like that. But I remember this one time he and I played in this celebrity basketball game in Colchester against the retired Patriots. Oh no. I, I mean, I don't think Ernie got off the bench that day. <laughs> Thank God. But it was the first time I had bumped into Ernie Farrar and he was such a nice guy. And, uh, we've lost a legend because he's a Hall of Famer in the yeah, state. That's right. And he is a legend. Yeah. And, uh, he did a lot of great things for people in our business and outside of our business. Thank you for bringing that up. But Vermont Association of Broadcasters Hall of Famer and a sports Hall of Famer as well. I think we got a call coming in here in just a moment. I want to give some arrangements uh, before we move on to they are going to be uh, there's going to be a service on July 23rd at Collins Purley in St. Albans and there is going to be visiting hours at Heald's Funeral Home in St. Albans on Thursday. I don't have those, uh, those hours in front of me, but we will get those uh, to you shortly and you can have them, find them up on, on, uh, on WVMT's website as well as on my Facebook page. Uh, quick call coming in. Let's go to the phone lines. Hey, Dale, it's Charlie on the Travels with Charlie, remembering Ernie Farrar. Oh, how I remember him. How I remember him. And you just hit it, hit the nail right on the head when you said, what in the hell do you have to have a national police? Search for a police chief for. Look what is look what is caused in Burlington twice. Oh man, <laughs> Dale, I wish we could talk a little bit longer, but we got a break. Man, that, nice to hear you. A regular caller on uh, our show, and and good to hear from you, Dale. Thank you. Good night. Thanks for calling in uh, this afternoon. Uh, again, uh, as I just want to remind people, we're going to be sending Ernie off. In fact, I was telling Brad, if anything, Ernie's going to be really ticked that he's not going to be able to be there because we're going to have so much food, and this is what he always enjoyed doing. Thank you for listening today on Travels with Charlie. Uh, Travels with Charlie sponsored by Casella Waste Systems, Jolly Convenience Stores, and Milne. American Express Travel with support from True North Radio. Theme song written and produced by Billy Bratcher, my executive producer. Or is Brad Ferland, director Steve Cormier. I'm Charlie Papillo. I'll see you in my travels coming up shortly. Have a great day.